Yeah, because mm-hmm. he's like, who said this? Wait a yeah. second. <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> this. Did I sign <laughs> that? <laughs> Hey everybody, I'm Ashley. And I'm Kristen. And I'm Meredith. We want to welcome you to Inspired Conversations, the podcast study of the book Inspired, slaying giants, walking on water, and loving the Bible again by Rachel Held Evans. The book is available in paperback and audio, so please follow along with us. Even if you aren't reading along, I think you'll still find this conversation beneficial and entertaining for your own faith journey. Today, we're going to dive into a discussion around the beast and resistance stories. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Can we get Star Wars music playing yes. at this time? Imperial March. Yes. It's great. Yep. I loved this chapter so much. Following the Job chapter, right. which ended up being good after our conversation. Mm-hmm. It was so nice to, to go to something that for me was super easy to read. Like yeah. I read this in one sitting because I was like, mm-hmm. it was a page turner. Yep. No, it was a lot of like, rah, rah, let's yeah. go kind of. Yeah, yeah you're mm-hmm. right. Like, I'm amped up. Uh-huh. Like, who are we going to fight? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Here we go. Yep. Ready to do some good today. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, this week, as we've just said, we're focused on the resistance stories from the Bible. Let me give you a little bit of overview from Rachel Held Evans' own words. It's easy for modern day readers to forget that the Bible was written by oppressed religious minorities living under the heels of powerful nation states known for their extravagant wealth and violence. For the authors of the Old Testament, it was the Egyptian, Assyrian, Babylonian, Greek, and Persian empires. For the authors of the New Testament, it was, of course, the massive Roman Empire. One of the most important questions facing the people who gave us the Bible was, how do we resist empire rule, both as an exterior force that opposes the ways of God and an interior pull that tempts us with imitation and assimilation? They answered this question through the Bible's resistance stories. Mm. Yeah, great stories. Mm -hmm. So if you want to go back to the Bible and read some of these stories, check out Isaiah, Daniel, Revelation, along with Esther. We're going to give you a brief overview of Esther when we're ready to dive into that story, but it's a great and easy read. All right, let's get chatting. Yeah, so one of the first questions that we had to discuss today was um, this part in the book where Rob Bell, there's a a good Rob Bell quote, um, and it reads, This is what we read again and again in the pages of the Bible. Fearless, pointed, courageous, subversive, poetic, sometimes sarcastic, other times angry, heartfelt, razor-sharp critique for people, nations, systems, and empires, endlessly accumulating more at the expense of everybody they're stepping on along the way. And that's from his book, um, What is the Bible, on page 215. Is this a biblical theme that you guys have noticed or discussed before? I mean, that's that. I mean, I loved that quote because it was so it was so pointed. Um, but is it one you've heard much about in church or from leadership? What do you think? You know, it's interesting because I think it's not. Mm. Um, and especially, and she focuses or talks about this a lot in the book, um, that American Christianity, which I think is very different than worldwide Christianity, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. is is very unique in this way that um, we don't really focus on it being a critique of these empires. Mm-hmm. Um, often we focus on New Testament Mm-hmm. and Jesus and Jesus's teachings. And while, yes, Jesus did, you know, go against the Roman Empire in some ways, we kind of gloss over a lot of that mm-hmm. because we are an empire. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's really hard to to digest hearing these critiques and realizing, oh, that's us. <laughs> right. Right. 
So, it, yeah, it's much harder to relate once you realize that. And I'll say what's really random, right, mm-hmm. is that Reverend Chris Dow just did his Palm Sunday right. about this topic. And even the off script episode, we called it Empire versus Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And he dropped a lot of truths about yep. what it means to put the kingdom of God first compared to the empire of America. Yeah. Um, so I think that we're really lucky to be here at Christ United because I don't think as a whole we get to hear that quite often. No, I don't think we do. And, you know, it's kind of funny because uh, my concept of even the empires of the Bible wasn't very fleshed out in probably until the last few years. Sure. I'm just realizing that, like, when you're a kid and you're learning about the Bible or even an adult who's, like, diving into it the first time, the things that you read aren't giving you this, like wide lens of biblical history. It takes some like effort and some class taking and some book reading to even get your arms around like when this stuff happened in the larger span of like the world. So it's very interesting when someone like Rachel Hold Evans starts explaining, well, this was in the middle of this empire and this was because this was about to happen and this is what was going on in history. And it's just kind of it it colors in the picture a little bit more. And I don't know why we don't know that more. I mean, I'm looking yeah. at Meredith because I know she probably knew it, knows it. No, 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 no. As <laughs> a history nerd. No, but, but it, did, it did make me think of, um, you know, when we sitting here today as middle class white Americans mm-hmm. um, listening to these stories, it's so easy for us to, you know, just take all of these empires that are presented from the oppressed point of view at face value and say, Mm. they were horrible. Right. Babylon was horrible. You know, the Persians were horrible. All of these things. And then fast forwarding Mm -hmm. as Americans, we do that today about the Revolutionary War. Well, England was awful and they were treating us terribly, blah, 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 without very often thinking about it from the other perspective. Mm -hmm. And, you know, was every single person in that empire horrible evil no of course not Mm -hmm. but then think about the people and she talks about this in the chapter think about the people who our american empire has stepped on Mm -hmm. and what their viewpoint of the three of us sitting here oh absolutely is Mm -hmm. well and it's interesting you say that because i hadn't thought about the history of america and how that probably plays a huge play because we always talk about the american dream and it's like we probably still foresee ourselves as almost that underdog yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely and it's like well we haven't been the underdog in my lifetime (laughs) we haven't been oppressed in 200 years folks if Mm -hmm. not more than that like it's Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, and it's kind of interesting because I think most people, whenever they, let's see, like you watch Star Wars for the first time or, you know, you watch Lord of the Rings or any any of these like epics of like small underdog versus large oppressive force. Right. You always self-identify with the good guy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like no one's sitting there going, but am I Sauron? <laughs> That doesn't happen. Am I an Urukai? <laughs> <laughs> Warning, Lord of the Rings jokes. So sorry, friends. Um, but yeah, no, I just, it's it's a little um, misleading to over-identify. And this is something that Chris said in the podcast, too, is we all want to be the people waving palm branches. Right, like, right. We all want to be the folks who showed up for Jesus. But more often than not, we're actually at the other parade Yep. Like more excited about the horses yeah. and the carriages. <laughs> but... Right. We need to be more of the weirdos. Mm-hmm. I loved that. I love mm-hmm. that she calls she, after a, a long um, explanation of 
profits and what profits were, uh, she concludes with the sentence, basically profits were weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> and I loved it. But also we talked this morning about how we, I think you said it and I, I thought about it. And I'm, oh yeah, I've never thought of it that way. That we've um, always kind of thought of profits as being people who told the future. Yeah. Fortune tellers. Mm-hmm. Right. Fortune tellers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People who, you know, I think of like the... Like the Greek prophets, the Delphi and stuff like that, the oracles that told mm-hmm. the future. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. not what biblical prophets were. No, no. They were truth tellers. Yeah. They were coming to tell the truth. Yeah. They're basically going to say bad, bad things are going to happen to you if you don't follow this. Mm-hmm. And people right. just seem to not listen to the prophets as much as they should have. That's crazy. Yeah, because you do. You always think of a prophet or, you know, something as someone mystical. Mm-hmm. And these were just the folks, I don't know, because when... Anybody says anything about a prophecy, I usually think of those same kind of crazy movies or, you know, the Bible or I don't know. Did any of y'all read those left behind books? (laughs) Trash. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Garbage. (laughs) They're so bad. Did you? No. I I I read the first one. I was ironically spared. Um, But no, a lot of my friends did. And, you know, it's all this kind of like. I don't know. I don't want to burst anybody's bubble, but there's a lot of weird political propaganda stuff hidden away in. A, is there um, a rapture in it? Yes. Oh, yes. It's all, oh. it's all. The whole story is about the modern day rapture and if the rapture happened and how it would play is out. Is this and, the one that Kirk Cameron oh, made a movie? Yes. Yeah. Well, he. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, he yeah, was yeah. in it. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I kind of want to watch it. It's, it's, now. it's trash. <laughs> it's trash. Look, if you want to have some fun thinking about the rapture, watch Supernatural. Mm-hmm. The Avengers. Uh-huh. Endgame. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. How's it all going to end? Well, and they all disappear. In the in the chapter, she kind of talks about like people trying to, especially people in like our position of of privilege or power, like trying to look behind the curtain and make sure that our standing is still yeah. good. Sure, but right. I think that's where what she talks about is so um, eye opening. I was about to say revelatory, and then that was a little mm. on the nose, <laughs> but um, so eye opening in that she says apocalypse. You know, we think of apocalypse being end times yeah mm-hmm. destruction of the world yeah. mm-hmm. but the word apocalypse means unveiling or disclosing right it's literally just prophecy it's telling the truth mm-hmm. truth speaking Finally unveiling knowing. the truth mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and you know she she talks at one point in the book about i was just saying i've underlined like the entire chapter so uh it's kind of hard to pick one but she talks about how american christians love the Mm -hmm. you know rapture stories of vanishing um airplanes dropping out of the sky um she says but that's because americans and particularly white americans have a hard time catching apocalyptic visions when they benefit too much from the status quo to even want to peek behind the curtain Mm -hmm. and that just i mean that really struck a chord with me it was so well put and um but it also kind of made me feel icky. Yeah. It's so true. Mm-hmm. Because And Rachel Held Evans contends that Revelation is not about, um, it's not literally. Right. Mm-hmm. It is uh, really the image of, what did she say, the Roman Empire of the time. Right. And the beast is really like the empires. Mm-hmm. And that is what she's talking, or mm-hmm. what the writer John is talking about. Mm-hmm. So I think that's very eye-opening who people read this literally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that it's, that the point to of revelation and most apocalyptic or all apocalyptic literature is that it is to show that 
justice wins out that yes. god always wins mm-hmm. yes it's not trying mm-hmm. to tell you how the world's gonna end there's no secret code in there dan brown that you can like <laughs> you know figure out when the last day is gonna be it's simply a revelation it's simply you know eye-opening to the fact that god wins yes always yes and that jesus and god are the end game mm-hmm. right basically <laughs> Avengers yeah. Endgame. <laughs> this is good. Sorry, Trent and I are rewatching all the movies. It's very topical in my head. We just finished Civil War. Oh, man. I've never seen that one. Yeah. So to your point of the status quo, um, when we were thinking about, you know, whether or not we had heard um, stuff like this from leaders um, basically pushing up against the big bad, whatever the big bad is, mm-hmm. um, it was interesting because I was thinking about my like early walk and like what I've heard from some Christian leaders and stuff. And, you know, you talk about like um, American stuff. Mm -hmm. I think that if anybody in the church I grew up in had made the statement of America is the problem, we are the problem, three people would have swooned out of their chairs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I never heard anything that was like, America should work on it. (laughs) Right. I mean, I think what I also enjoyed about Rachel Held Evans is she was not saying she doesn't love America. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like she had a Mm -hmm. whole section. Yes. She wanted the Star Spangled Banner laid at her wedding. Exit song. Yes. And she was her list of being very patriotic. Mm -hmm. So I think that is the thing that's not fair. Yeah. Is Mm -hmm. that it's either one or the other. You can't say that America needs to get better and still love America. Mm -hmm. But like that's not how we work as parents. Parents. Like, right. I think my children are fantastic, but that doesn't mean that there's not ways they should work. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting because it's it's kind of gotten into, at least in recent history, lots of people are reexamining our history. Right. Yeah. And 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 so it's it's very interesting how even the process of examining our history, which Rachel Devins talks about mm-hmm. at length in this chapter, the things that we did that are more like the beast than mm-hmm. are like a kingdom yes. of God. Um, and it's so interesting because more often than not, when you hear someone bring up like that we put Japanese Americans in internment camps, mm-hmm. the Trail of Tears, a lot of oh the things that she that she listed, I've actually heard people for some reason their knee-jerk response is, well, but. Correct. And it's just interesting because it's like we don't have to justify that. Right. Like, I mean, it's actually harmful to justify it. Correct. But it's interesting that it's the instinct because much like the Bible, I feel like, and we've been learning through this study, some people really need it to be all good and correct. Yes. And if it's not, then it falls apart. We, so Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. If everything is not perfect about our country, then it's not good. Mm-hmm. And we shouldn't like it. So let's gloss over everything that makes us look bad. Mm-hmm. And that's just absurd. I mean, she says on one of the, on page 127, um, talking about when um, we are examining our history and things that we've done that are, there's no way to justify them. She says, ever the quick fix culture, mm-hmm. we want oppressed people to just get over it and move on and let the injustice go. And the number of times growing up in Alabama and Georgia, I heard people talking about uh, the black community being upset that there's Confederate flags everywhere and stuff. The number of times I heard people say, oh, my God, would you just get over it? You weren't enslaved. I didn't own slaves. Can we just get over it and move on? And I'm like, and I'm ashamed to admit there were times that I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, 
Right. Because I was inundated with that. I know. And there was definitely this us versus them kind of mentality. And I was like, well, I'm an upper middle class white person. So, yeah, I guess I have to agree with them. Mm-hmm. And now I think about it, I'm like, what is wrong with us that that was that I that know. seemed okay to say at the time? It Just does. Get over it. I mean, even at um, you know, at UT, I remember every year we still had statues of Civil War vets mm-hmm. oh, on yeah. there, and every year, usually on Juneteenth, they would get damaged, mm-hmm. and I'd be like. That's crazy. Yeah. Why would you do that? Stop damaging private property. <laughs> and then in the last year, I'm like, no, take him down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if one if yeah. one person is hurt by this, yeah, why have it up? Right. Why well, are they here? I don't understand. And the fact that oh my gosh, and especially here in Texas, ugh, I have so many thoughts about this, and I'm not going to go on a long tangent. But especially here in Texas, I remember several years ago, there was a huge thing about taking down the Robert E. Lee statue in Oak Cliff Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. one of those places down in South Dallas. And I remember people just getting so up in arms. No, it's history. And I sat there and thought about it and did some research and went, Robert E. Lee never set foot in the state of Texas once. He's not (laughs) from here. Not to mention... This was not erected until the 1930s in a predominantly black neighborhood. That's mm. not history. That was created for oppression. Mm. That, like, why are we fighting to... I, you know, and I, I think a lot of people would disagree with me here, but I could see fighting for maybe, like, renaming Washington and Lee University. Like, I could see that, okay, you know, I mean, he was still a figure in history, and he still donated the money to create this, you know, you know I could see things like that. But why in South Dallas... A hundred and something years after mm-hmm. this is over, why are we fighting to keep these statues up that were created for oppression? The Jefferson Davis statue at UT. That was the other big one. It's like, why? Yeah. He's not from here. <laughs> he had nothing to do with UT. I, know. <laughs> like, I was honestly very proud of UT mm-hmm. for yes. doing the things that they did during this year. But it's I just, was. it does. It, it feels very upside down, backwards, cattywampus. Yeah. The, some of the fights that we get in. And, it, and I think that that's the thing that's been very um, interesting to me through our like most recent times is like how ardently we will stick to things that are not necessary to stick to dig your correct like but anyways i just think it makes us look sillier the longer time goes on (laughs) mostly because of people who are now like that's not how history happened and (laughs) oh gosh i know i remember i was thinking about this how when audiobooks first came out yeah big Mm -hmm. deal because not all of them were on and you got your cd Oh, uh, yeah. So Trent and I were going on a uh, road trip, and I believe we got one that was like, not what your history teachers taught us. Yeah. <laughs> and we were like, whoa, the Native <laughs> Americans. I mean, just mm-hmm. – and now that it's so much more public knowledge out there, I think we've grown in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. and we still have a lot of work to do. But like I said this morning, I love that quote, when you – know better do better yeah and mm-hmm. so that's what i'm trying to keep an open mind about yeah and that's not saying that some of the values i hold i'm just gonna go out the window but i feel like at sure. the core if my values are like kindness and honesty and mm-hmm. respect then i'm going to learn new ways that that means kindness honesty and respect mm-hmm. and i've learned a lot about that this last year mm-hmm. yeah well it's, I've, I've thought about when um 
people talk about politicians pasts mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, oh mm-hmm. we could never vote for him because he has a record you know he got arrested for drug possession or what you know oh look at this speech that he gave 45 years ago and la 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 and I'm, to me i prefer someone like that that mm-hmm. has a history mm-hmm. that has obviously grown right. and changed mm-hmm. and allowed their mind to be changed as opposed to someone who has been touting the same things we are not designed to have the exact same beliefs for our entire lives if we don't change our mind at some point we're not learning (laughs) we're not growing funny that you bring this up i was having a zoom happy hour with some girlfriends last night and we were and we've known each other a long time all the girls on this Mm. zoom and we were laughing about how much we've changed and i was like could y'all imagine if we still were the exact same person and held the same opinions as the first time we made our very first big opinion on Facebook. <laughs> like, I was like, have you even been back to see what you were mad about oh, in 2009? My memories like, on Facebook <laughs> are so embarrassing. Yeah. I want to go back in time and hit me. I'm like, nobody cares, Meredith. Then. We were all such a mess. But yeah. so if we stayed a mess. Sure. I mean, which, you know, I just, you're exactly right. If you, if you look at yourself and you're like, man, I haven't had a genuinely new opinion in 15 years, you should ask yourself a question. Right. <laughs> just like, what am I doing to better myself? Or right. What? I think that brings up a really good question. We were talking this morning about what kind of profits we're seeing today. Mm-hmm. What kind of profits do you guys follow or look at or think about? This was a fun question because I, I hadn't thought about who I quote idolize or like follow in a while. And and I think that I do that very loosely. Like there are very few people that I feel like y'all have heard me walk into your office and go, have you heard of blah, blah, blah? Right. You have to follow them. Everything they do. They're geniuses. I Mostly because I think I've been so disappointed <laughs> so many times. We're all humans as yeah. it turns out. You know what's funny? Uh, I was like, well, first of all, Rachel Held Evans gets it. Oh, yeah. Like, after this study, I was like, all right, now I got to go read everything she's ever written. Mm -hmm. But then, you know what's stupid? One of the first people I thought of is I was like, man, John Oliver kind of gets it. Well, you know he's a like we're gonna talk about Esther, and that was a satire. It Mm -hmm. was, and dark. She talks about dark comedy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you know more accurately his writers, but like as far as like saying the stuff, yeah, mm -hmm. being a truth teller, being a truth teller, right? Well, and that's I. I had always thought, like you said, I'd always thought of prophets, modern day prophets, as either being. Not celebrities like mm-hmm. we think of today, but you know, famous people like Bonhoeffer, yeah, or Martin, Martin Luther, King, Luther King Jr., yeah. Yeah. which I think are clearly they're both Mother Teresa, amazing, I mean, yeah, yeah, they're wonderful. Yes, but Nelson Mandela, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Kristen, you put it um, this morning in a way that really made me think. Um, you said that what you think of as modern day prophets are people that brought the margins to you, mm. people, uh, those who brought the people on the margins to you, and when I thought about it that way. I stopped thinking about famous people and started thinking more about the people in my everyday lives who have influenced because I have changed mm-hmm. big time over the years, mm-hmm. um, going from a teenager who literally just spouted what her father said mm-hmm. and whose immediate reaction to people questioning that was to dig in my heels and say, no, you're wrong, and blah, 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 mm-hmm. because I had no thought of my own right. to being someone who's very polar opposite to that today (laughs) and so i really kind of stopped to think you know who helped influence that and what people in my lives really helped influence that change and i think a a huge one is a a pastor 
friend that we haven't that Ashley yep. and I have in common mm-hmm. really helped change the way that I was feeling and that I thought and even though I had kind of distanced myself from the things I had espoused for so long um my reaction still was to kind of get a little bit defensive mm-hmm. when people put me on the spot and she she was able this person was able to just do it in such a non-threatening way an mm-hmm. encouraging way mm-hmm. to where and you know with a lot of questions well why do you think that way well what experience in your life has led you to feel that way mm-hmm. and then if I didn't have an answer that was okay and I just found myself you know reading and going to things. So the people in my life who have spoken truth to me and allowed me to change my mind or helped me change my mind, um, at some, at one point in the book, she uses Jesus's words saying, let those with ears hear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It really just made me think who has opened my ears. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. Her husband is the other person I thought of. Yep. Mm -hmm. The same person we're talking about. We can't, we can't let them listen to this. I mean, it would give him too big of an ego. Yeah, yeah. I can't tell him. Love it. I can't yeah. tell him directly. No, I mean, and, and both people in both of the scenarios I'm thinking about is such a lesson of how to be a prophet or how to be a prophetess is mm-hmm. is they have the kindest directions. Yeah. And not all the prophets in the Bible were being kind. They're like, you're going <laughs> to perish if you don't change your yeah, mind. Jonah right. was like, I'm not going to that place. Right, right. But I think that... In the face of me saying something that was truly offensive, even though I didn't know it was, Mm -hmm. they always had a response of like, oh, okay, well, let's talk about that. Right. Not, I can't believe you said that. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. What a gift. No, seriously. I mean, I really want to be like that. And it changed my whole life. Like it, that those conversations changed the direction of my whole faith. Absolutely. Which is crazy. But not all prophets are perfect people. Like I think we, you know, people love to pick apart, oh, Martin Luther King Jr. He had an affair. So we've got to throw out everything. It's like, no, (laughs) he was a human. Do I think that was great? No, No. of course not. But we're not going to throw out everything that he stood for and everything he did. So there's this mentality of in order to be a prophet, Everyone has to like you. Mm -hmm. You have to be perfect. You have to be this. Like, that's not how it works. No. And I, yeah, I just love that because like, we're all human. Mm -hmm. Like, we shouldn't be idolizing humans. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. we can take from their learnings and what they're saying, but they're going to let you down. Mm -hmm. We've seen that over and over again in the church, outside of the church. Yep. And I love that thinking about your own community because I've changed a lot here at Christ United for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Just being introduced to like Reagan brings a whole new voice yeah. oh my gosh, that yes. I haven't heard. Absolutely. And I love hearing her talk and especially mm-hmm. with Chris, like they go deep into the di- Bible yep. in directions that I didn't know I was allowed to go in. Right. right. We had a fun conversation this morning too, talking about um, some other more of those authors or influencers that have put themselves at risk going mm-hmm. against, I'm putting in quotes, the empire or America. And we brought up, I brought up like Jen Hatmaker. Yeah. She used to be the evangelical darling, had mm-hmm. all of her book dealings through them. And then she publicly came out and affirmed the LGBTQ community and was absolutely shunned. Mm-hmm. Book deals taken away. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I remember I had tickets to go on her tour and they just shut that down. They went into bankruptcy over having wow. her speak. That is crazy. Wow. And just to look at her now, she is someone who has brought a lot of voices to me mm-hmm. um, from every different margin. And I just think she had a lot to lose. Mm-hmm. And that's really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and even today with, I mean, we've got Beth Moore, yeah. who was yeah. the Southern mm-hmm. Baptist darling mm-hmm. coming 
out um, against or renouncing the Southern Baptist faith a couple of weeks ago, I yeah, think it now. Yeah, very recently. I feel like the rubber's meeting the road for a lot of these Christian leaders. In, in yeah. Our, and yeah. I think that, I yeah, it's been exciting to see people kind of say some stuff. And, and you know, it's all a good reminder, too, um, that, gosh, you never know who you're a prophet to. Oh, gosh. Like, you, oh, wow. you, you just have to kind of, when I think about the people that we are yeah. talking about in the people in our community and then larger people, it's like, man, you have to really consider that, like, you could have changed someone's life. Mm-hmm. And so how you, like... Oh, I don't like that pressure. <laughs> of course you don't. <laughs> My heart started beating. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, like, it's it's just this, you yourself can yeah. be a truth teller right. to people who need to hear it. E- mm-hmm. And not in, an, a, like, a mean way, even. Right, no. Even just being like, you know, I'll answer that question. Well, I'll talk. To, I'll go, an I'll an go there. I'll go there of it as well mm-hmm. and we and meredith and i talked about our children too mm-hmm. yeah like we're tr- really trying to be truth tellers for them mm-hmm. as they grow and learn and introduce them to ideas that we might not have been introduced to because mm-hmm. when we know better we do better yeah yeah and with our children they take what we say at face value mm-hmm. yeah which we have got to remember we have to remember and i mean it's just like As you hear, gospel to use I, the phrase exactly <laughs> but just like we hear all the time you know racism isn't born it's bred mm-hmm. and uh, i think that way with all forms of oppressive ideology we teach those to our children and so it is so important and it it's so important that we deliver the loving message um, I found myself doing things I never thought I would do, like encouraging and not to say I didn't want my kids to do this, but I go out of my way to encourage my children to watch TV shows that have people of color as the main mm-hmm. characters. I encourage them because I'm realizing more and more they are learning. Right. I mean, they're sponges. Mm-hmm. We know this. They're sponges. But we don't mm-hmm. really think about when we only expose them to white shows, white music, white Santa, white Jesus, you know, all that stuff. That's that's what normal is to them and everything else is abnormal abnormal mm-hmm. yeah yeah because i mean representation matters to those on the margins but then it's also an example to our children um to be able to see that it's normal for someone of color to be president that it's normal for yeah. someone of color to be a ceo you know like it's just right. important to be able to see that i also followed right after um are y'all familiar with emmanuel Acho? mm-hmm so his he does uncomfortable conversations with a black man. I love mm-hmm. that. And they are uncomfortable, but they're so needed. Mm-hmm. And I just think about he talked he taught I did one recently about representation. He said he saw Emmett Smith play football, so he knew that's what he could do, and he mm-hmm. did do. Mm-hmm. But he hadn't seen a lot of people of color in other positions. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. He's like, because if you don't see yourself in it, then how do you know you can? be that yeah we're so we've had a lot of truth tellers yeah. get the spotlight which is great mm-hmm. and i think then the next step is realizing that we as middle to upper middle class white americans we have dominated the conversation for far too long mm-hmm. and like i even kind of feel and we're dominating it now. yeah i even feel guilty right now being like i'm speaking to something that i have no understanding of on a right. guttural mm-hmm. level because i've never had to it we have to I mean, this sounds so corny. I feel like everyone's been saying it, but we have to invite more voices to the table. It cannot mm-hmm. just be ours. Mm-hmm. And that's what the prophets were so good at doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is drawing attention to that. You know, it, all this stuff just feels so 
polarizing, like everything yeah. that we're talking about. And it's just so interesting that she chose this chapter to connect these two things of like truth telling, prophecy, and resistance. And I don't know. I just find it. And it it's very like a big blockbuster movie. Like we've named right. all of these huge movies about these resistant fights and why is it people telling the truth always ends up coming with a war like why is that why is that such a conflict but it's just honesty truth telling aggressive yeah Mm. and it's because whatever the monster is Mm -hmm. whoever the beast is usually doesn't love the truth Mm -hmm. they're usually like their version of the truth (laughs) so it was so interesting when she started kind of listing these resistance stories um, intermingled with prophecy through the Bible. And one of them that she brought up that was, you know, took me off guard just a little bit was the story of Esther. Yeah. Yeah. I would not have classified that as a resistance story initially. Mm -hmm. No, Mm -hmm. no. So let's try to give you guys, we're going to give you a little bit of a synopsis. Yeah, because I I get lots of the women in the Bible mixed up because there's only a few of them and they all have very... (laughs) Maybe we should have more women included in the Bible. Hey, uh, (laughs) at least give them names. All right, let's get down to this. We're going off the cuff, so we'll see how this one goes. All right, so Esther was a person. Yeah, she was a person. She was during Persian Empire. I didn't know she was an orphan. I didn't either. Oh, yeah. And Mordecai was her cousin. Her cousin. I knew that Mordecai was her, her cousin. In. Right. But the orphan part was left out mm-hmm. in my mm-hmm. recollection. So what is this? Where are we in history? Like, do we know where we are in like... It was 539 BC. Mm-hmm. Cyrus came to the throne of the Persian Empire and defeated the Babylonians. The events unfold in the formidable capital of the Persian Empire during the reign of King Xerxes, an arrogant Eastern despot who exercised complete control over the many people and found themselves swept up in his vast empire. Okay. So he is a, and he's a funny character. Yeah. Xerxes is, is interesting. Yeah. Very, very dim witted. He is. He seems to always let other people get his best ideas. I get like a very Holy Grail, like Monty Python. Yeah. Like, yes, guy. (laughs) I said yes to that. The first thing happens is he's having his royal banquet and they're all drunk Mm -hmm. and having a good time. And Mm -hmm. it seems like he has a lot of these, right? Yeah. And then he's like, all right, I need you to bring me my queen. Yep. Let's bring Vashti in here. Because I want everyone to see how hot she is with that clothes on. Yeah. He literally was going to like get her to just kind of walk around naked, which culturally at that time is like mega no no because I watched what was one of the things that you suggested we watched the, oh Purim a Purim video yeah a Purim play yeah, yeah and in the Purim play one of the things that they said was like even a king can't make a queen present herself without a cover yes and yes so Vashti was like I'm not coming and then all of Xerxes' little buddies were like, well, if, if she, the queen doesn't listen to you, then our wives aren't going to listen to us. You're yeah. going to let your woman so, talk to yeah, you like that? So <laughs> you got to put out a decree. Yeah. So he fires Vashti mm-hmm. and he's got to get himself a new queen. Yeah. So they go search like thousands of virgins. Yeah. After banishing Vashti, the king gets lonely. Once his fury subsided, he was persuaded to go find the most beautiful virgins in all the land. Oh, okay. So it was after Vashti. And since she didn't have a father or a brother or a husband, she was fair game. Yeah, well, basically. Yeah. I mean, but it was how... I don't even know if they give a number on how many uh, 
how many virgin was, virgin orphans were brought he had, to him. He had 500 eunuchs, which mm. is a number that they talk about. Yes, which is a lot. Awful. And then she has to go through this like 12 months beautification process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got her a trainer, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Personal trainer. Yeah. I read somewhere else where it's like probably lots of perfumes uh-huh. and anointing uh-huh. and good smells. And mm-hmm. then she came out looking like a beauty queen. Interesting. Love it. And Xerxes picked her to okay. be his queen. But because, I mean, this is what's what I have never really thought about when reading Esther. And I've done a couple of Esther studies and yeah. it's never really come out to me is that she says in here at one point that Esther had one opportunity to make an impression on him. I mean, she got one night mm-hmm. with the king, which there is a movie called One Night with the King mm-hmm. that's about Esther that I haven't watched yet, but it made me want to watch it kind of. I don't know um, that she had one night to impress him. <laughs> Apparently she impressed him and was beautiful because then he chose her mm-hmm. to be his queen. But what made me what it made me think of is imagine how much trauma she must have coming into this new yeah. quote unquote marriage. Mm-hmm. She's taken away from her home. She was told basically you're going to be a sex slave for the king. So mm-hmm. get ready. Have mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. We got to make you look better, though, because you're not good enough the way you are. Mm-hmm. And then you get one night with the king and now he's like, cool, now you're mine forever. I mean, imagine the just absolute anguish Mm. she's got to be experiencing on some level Mm -hmm. even though i'm sure she knows or recognizes that it might it's better than what the alternative might be but still Mm -hmm. and and she's hiding that she's jewish correct so Mm -hmm. the king has no idea that she's jewish and there's this whole undercurrent at this exact moment of them deciding actually we hate all jews we should kill them all well hold on it's haman oh Haman. Haman's the one that decides this. Yes. Right. Because Mordecai refuses to bow to Haman or Haman, however you've heard it pronounced. Yes. Because Haman is like the uh, Xerxes royal advisor guy. Mm -hmm. And Jafar. He's Jafar. Yeah. Yeah. I always think of like Iago to Jafar. (laughs) Yes. And he thinks he's amazing. Yes. And what's really funny, what we didn't also share was at one point, Mordecai actually helps uh, thwart a almost plot to kill the king and so he gets put in this book of records Mm -hmm. but xerxes like forgets the next day and like nothing happens well then later (laughs) he calls haman and he had uh, xerxes had stayed up really late the night before and couldn't fall asleep so he had his guy read him the book of records so then he he read some boring stuff to sleep yes he literally (laughs) read him the book of records so xerxes would fall asleep it's like when i asked my husband to tell me what he did at work that day so i can fall asleep yes i love excel spreadsheets honey please tell me more tell me more (laughs) so xerxes has this guy do this and then in there he reads the line that mordecai helped prevent a killing of him Uh and xerxes is like hold up how'd we celebrate this dude and the guy is like we didn't do anything so the next day he calls haman in but he doesn't tell him why and he's like hey tell me what would what you would do to celebrate a guy who's done all these great things and haman's like i put him on a donkey i'd parade him around (laughs) town i would give him your the robes thinking it's about haman right he (laughs) thinks it's a party for him yeah yeah Mm -hmm. meanwhile it's mordecai (laughs) <laughs> and so then Haman has to walk Mordecai through the village being like, this is the most awesome man. Insult to injury, man. Insult Love to it. injury. Then Mordecai refuses to bow to Haman. Mm-hmm. And then Haman goes to Xerxes and is like, hey, give me your ring. We're making a decree. Let's kill all the Jewish people. Yeah. And yep. Xerxes is like, sweet. Here, <sighs> sign it. Let's do it. Send it out. So in mm. this moment, Esther 
realizing that her people there's about to be free game open season on her people yeah. in the empire esther knows what she has to do mm-hmm. but again imagine the fear and the trepidation she's got to have she is not allowed to go before no. the king on pain of death mm-hmm. unless he invites her right mordecai is going to her saying you've got to do something you've got to do something we're all gonna die mm-hmm. esther decides well so esther does Go before the king. Mm-hmm. He obviously doesn't kill her since we have more to the story. Yeah. Uh, and she invites the king and Haman to ba- a banquet. Yeah. She, you mentioned earlier, Kristen, that um, how patient Esther had to be uh, because she throws not one but two banquets in which she just kind of bides her time until things are good and then she can boom, spring the question on him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't imagine if I knew my family was going to be slaughtered at any moment, mm-hmm. being able to have the patience to say, okay, well, not today. This isn't the right time. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'm going to do another, I'll do another party tomorrow and maybe mm-hmm. I'll ask him then. I'm like, whoo, I've got a hot head. I would be like <laughs> kicking down doors and I'd be killed. So, um, but so she goes to the king at the second banquet, tells him, you know, we got to stop this. I'm a Jew. They're about to kill all my people. Mm-hmm. And the king says, oh, yeah, that's not cool. Let's not do that. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he's like, who said this? Wait a yeah. second. I don't remember this. Did I sign that? <laughs> what? <laughs> I, no, but, I love... <laughs> but the part that killed me that I've never thought about or I've never obviously digested is that not only does the king say, yeah, no, wait, we're not going to kill the Jews anymore. He gives permission for the Jews to kill all the people who were going to kill them. Yeah. Because apparently <laughs> a king can't reverse his own decree. Yeah. Like, just... that doesn't make any sense. Like, I'm the king. Oh I do gosh. whatever. Well, and what wow. also was interesting was that Haman, so he, so he, I imagine Esther's like, like Xerxes is like, well, who did this? And Esther just points at Haman and it's like, him. He and did this. apparently Xerxes was so overcome, he like walks out the room and he comes back in and Haman is like laying on her. And then Xerxes thinks he's like trying to put moves on her. Yeah, so he's, he's like, like begging mm-hmm. her, but out. Yeah. And he dies. He hangs him oh, on the does. gallows that he was going to hang Mordecai on because yeah. Haman wanted to get Mordecai. It is just, just yeah. desserts. Mm-hmm. The Bible story. <laughs> It is every episode of Game of Thrones ever, I feel like. Yeah, it's just a condensed, uh-huh, uh-huh. you know. It, But yeah, super interesting. Obvious obvious as to why it's a good melodrama play. <laughs> and so what's interesting is that in the Jewish tradition, they have Purim festivals each year where they reenact this with like middle schoolers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, re- it reminds me, reading it, it reminds me of like, uh, oh, God bless it. What's the name of that movie? Um, oh. I can't think of it. With the Let's do the time warp again. What is it? Oh, Rocky Rocky Rocky, Rocky Horror. Horror. It reminds me of like Rocky Horror Picture Show. If you go see it in the theater, yeah. you like throw toast at yes. the right time and you have a newspaper number. And they do this mm-hmm. in these Purim plays. They boo. Mm-hmm. So it's what is what does she say in there that the goal is to be so drunk and loud whenever they say Haman's name that when they boo you can't even hear the name. Being yes. Said. yes, yes. You're supposed to boo when Haman whenever Haman's name is mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever he comes on stage, I mean it's just hilarious. It sounds so fun. Yeah, I, once again, guys, I want to be Jewish, but with <laughs> Jesus. I, I just want to add the festivals back in. Yeah, I would be fine if we had more holidays and festivals. Seriously. 
seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to have a Seder meal and I want to have a Purim play mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, why not? She says it's like Mardi Gras and Halloween combined. Love yeah. it. <laughs> Sounds amazing. I'm it does here so for it. good. Sounds amazing. So, what do you think about Esther being compared to, or not compared to, being described as a resistant story? We said we would not have thought of it that way before, but what mm-hmm. aspects of this make you think resistance literature? You know, there's so many Bible stories that are like this that I was thinking about. You know, we got like Joseph getting to be the king's dream reader. We've got Moses, who is, you know, the son who then saves the people, like all this stuff. Yeah. It's all these like push and pull, you know. The Bible loves an underdog. The Bible loves an underdog. Yeah, because they viewed Israel as the underdog. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so that's what these books talk about. I hadn't thought about esther's story as this coordinated effort in this way and a resistance of an infiltration even it's so strategic yeah like it's very they didn't just get an army Mm -hmm. and try to knock down the castle Mm -hmm. but they're like okay especially esther she's the master of the perfect moment well and um what is that that they say to her maybe you were Born for such a time as this. I love that. Mm -hmm. For a moment such as this is just like, I feel like I've heard that in a lot of media and different things because of this. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to think about because I've also heard how a lot of times you might be nervous if you're in a situation because you might not think you're the most prepared Mm -hmm. or you might not be the most skilled, but it's like, like Esther was probably feeling doubt in all those situations. Mm -hmm. But Mordecai was like, this is probably your moment. Mm -hmm. Like You were made for this. Yep. Mm -hmm. Called. And that's the trust. And God, like they mentioned, God is actually never mentioned. Not once. In this book. But you yep. feel his presence. Like, I think we all feel God's hand at play here. Yeah. And Esther couldn't have done what she did without God. Mm-hmm. Yep. My favorite part in this section of the book um, is when she says, the story of Esther pulls back the veil on the empire to reveal that behind the golden chairs and packed harems and patriarchal edicts are a bunch of insecure, weak men whose attempts to puff themselves up only make them look silly. It is an empty, foolish power. Mm-hmm. The emperor has no clothes. Yep. It all comes off like a like a puppet show. Yeah. <laughs> an exaggeration. Yeah. But then a little bit later, she says, in during the Purim plays, they laugh because like a thrown together middle school play, the power of the empire is just a big show. Mm-hmm. In the end, the God of Israel, of Abraham, Moses, and Esther gets the last word, using the weak to humble the powerful. It is a cautionary tale for yes. sure. Yeah. And it's interesting because I also wrote for Haman um, the phrase, hurt people hurt people. Yeah. And oh, it just yeah. made me think of how Haman got his ego hurt and then just decided to go ham on everyone. Mm-hmm. And I, because I sometimes have to tell that to my oldest whenever rough things happen. Oh, yeah. Between other kids. Sure. And I just. Sure. So wrapping up for today, I, the last question we had was zipping back to Revelation because, you know, we keep referencing beasts and all of these things. And um, Rachel Held Evans on page uh, 117, it's a little too long to read, but basically to summarize it, she lists all of the bad beasts from the Bible and these big moments of either evil things or crazy beasts with multiple heads and everything coming back and how these are more so representations of 
the big bads of the empire or the big evils that lie below the surface of cultures. Um, and so it calls into question how we read, interpret, or utilize as peoples of today the book of Revelation. So, hmm. but here's the thing. Who's read the book all the way through? Anybody? <clears throat> you know, you'd think because we were doing a podcast, we would have made sure to I know. do that. I I know I've read it. I know I've read it before. I, I've been meaning to, because of this study, go find my old, old study Bible that definitely has like high school Ashley highlights and, oh and little like t- you know notes. notes in the yeah. side and the margins and see what I thought back then. Yeah, that'd be so curious. I know. Because I just, I've been a little bit too nervous to read it. Mm-hmm. I haven't felt equipped, I think. Yes. Because I have always felt like I've heard this literal interpretation mm-hmm. and then I learned it doesn't have to be literal, but I don't, I don't know how yet. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's been used. I mean, I, I have not. I'm ashamed to say I've, you know, I'll read through the Bible and I'll get to Jude and I'll finish Jude. And I'm like, yeah, I'll come back to Revelation later. <laughs> and then I never do. But because it's been used for so long, uh, well, in a threatening manner. I mean, there's yeah. really no other way to put it. It's always used for threats. Mm-hmm. This is what's coming for you. You know, the, the what we, what we think of as, apocalypse like end times end of the world this is what it's going to look like mm-hmm. um and i'm with you Kristen. i i know that that's not what it is but i don't feel like i have the i'm not equipped to be able to understand it because it is i mean i've read enough of it to know it's weird, y'all. It's like, like a fever dream. It, it is. is. It's yeah, a I lot feel happening. like I'm reading like the the moment in the Odyssey with the lotus eaters. You know, it's just yeah. like, what is happening right yeah. now? And you know there's meaning, but I'm like, okay, yeah. I don't know I what know. it is. Yeah. So I obviously, like I said, not read Revelation because I didn't feel equipped and it was scary and whatnot um, and just been used so threateningly for so long. But it's it has been so many people reading it to be what we said is the incorrect definition of prophecy. Mm-hmm. You know, let me mm-hmm. tell the future, tell what's going to happen. I felt kind of stupid this morning having this epiphany of revelation is a revelation. It is revelatory. <laughs> it is revealing the fact that God always wins, that God's love always wins, mm-hmm. that no matter what, I mean, just what we talked about last week on Easter, that Nothing can come between us and God. No amount of evil, no amount of fear can actually overpower God. Mm -hmm. God and God's love is unstoppable and lasts forever Mm -hmm. and will have the final say. Mm -hmm. It makes it a a lot less scary when you think of it in those terms. And for me, it makes me want to go and read it. And I'm sure still not understand most of it, but at least not you know, do like the Nostradamus thing and try mm-hmm. and read between the lines and see if I can find, you know, oh, the numerology yeah, of it exactly. and everything. Well, and it's, exactly. it's... When will the end of the earth be? Oh my I gosh. think it's specifically meant to be fantastical in the sense that God's power and love and the things that oppose it are outside of our conception. Mm-hmm. They're all so big and so ridiculous that we're never going to be able to grasp how big Sure. God's love and power is. Oh, no. It's always going to be, even if I I personally think that if I was ever able to like download like the Matrix or something, 
the understanding of God's love, my brain would just explode. It would be crazy to me. It should be crazy. I feel like there's a movie scene with someone like trying to see it all and their head explodes. (laughs) Bruce Almighty or something. It also makes, I I don't know everything. We just finished The Good Place and she gets her memories downloaded in her head. Uh But I've been thinking about The Good Place a lot with this. I love Mm -hmm. this movie. But I don't know. I feel like I need to, I need to go like pick Chris's brain about Revelation because he has sworn up and down it's not scary it's an amazing book and I'm like okay well then you need to help me understand this mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's scary okay great news or was. ladies and gentlemen mm-hmm. Chris Dowd will be sharing his thoughts on Revelation yes. in his Bible in 50 days study which um, April 18th at 5pm and awesome. so if you haven't joined us for that study before mm-hmm. you can either come to Trinity Hall or you can watch online on our Facebook page. I'm really excited yep. about that. Yeah, yeah, I'll be there for that one. That'll be that'll be really good. Mostly just because he's so good at kind of very professorly breaking things down in like an understandable Absolutely. way. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll be I'll be excited to watch him break that one down. Me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Decode it for me. Favorite me- quotes? Yeah. All right, let's get to it. Let's wrap it up. Mm -hmm. I know Meredith's just going to read the whole chapter to us. (laughs) I am am trying to resist. Oh, jeez. You're welcome. Okay, so this this is my favorite one. And someone actually shared it this morning, and it gave me goosebumps. But she's talking about how – here, I'll just read it. And then there are the many prophets outside United States, like the Coptic Christians of Egypt, who after terrorists bombed two churches on Palm Sunday 2017, showed up to a church in unprecedented numbers seven days later to celebrate the risen Christ. Their numbers literally spilling out the doors and onto the streets. Sometimes just showing up to the communion table is a way of looking straight into the eyes of the beast and saying, not today. Gosh, I remembered that history at that moment my favorite quote has to do with um and it's too long to read all at one time but uh she kind of talks about things i didn't understand about how the bible was a direct opposition to oppressive power and um my quote is on page 139 uh, and it says with every strange apocalyptic image and every colorful reference to old testament prophecy john was saying one thing loud and clear jesus of nazareth is the messiah the son of man the lamb who will vanquish the beast to jesus john said all the angels and prophets and emperors and people sing a new song worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise revelations five twelve. this was a direct challenge to the empire no one in john's day would have mistaken it for anything else the proclamation of Jesus as king over and against Caesar has become such a mainstay of religious parlance, we hardly notice we're participating in resistance rhetoric when we say it. I love that. Mm-hmm. I'm carrying on. Mine is the, the way that she ends this chapter. And she says, Jesus takes the resistance beyond prophecy, beyond songs of hope and lamentation, beyond satire and mockery, and beyond apocalyptic visions to declare the inauguration of a new kingdom. With his birth, teachings, death, and resurrection, Jesus has started a revolution. It just doesn't look the way anyone expects. Oh, it's so heavy. I feel like we've talked about that so much, about how everybody thinks 
that Jesus is going to be something else. Yeah. And even we're that way. All, right, All just, the way up to Palm Sunday yeah. and beyond. <laughs> it made me just think of that Hamilton quote where mm. uh, she's like, you want a revolution? I want a revelation. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. yes. So on that note, guys. Yes, we got to say goodbye. Um, next week, we'll be back reflecting on the chapter, The Water and Gospel Stories next time. I bet that's going to be really good. Check out cumc.com backslash inspired for more details on this study. If you have any questions or you want to give us any reflections on your reading or our podcast, please email me at Ashley with an L-E-Y at cumc.com. And we'll be excited to share them on our next episode. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. We're having a really good time. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this podcast episode. As a part of the Christ United Podcast Ministry produced by Ashley Danner, you can visit cumc.com backslash podcasts in order to view our full listing of podcast series. Like, subscribe, and follow so that you don't miss a single message. Thanks for supporting us. Have a great week.